Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. We roll on, uh, and a lot to do between now and 11 o'clock. Of course, next hour will be our fabulous fifth hour. Sometimes the freaky fifth hour. Never know. Uh, I do know that in that fifth hour, we're going to talk to uh, our weekly conversation with Vandergriff head football coach Drew Sanders. Oh, yeah. Vipers nice. appearing on our airwaves every Friday night. They had a big win over Dripping last week, and we'll talk to Drew. I'll tell you something about Drew. Drew is a former neighbor of mine. Remember when I mentioned on airlines we had three kids under five? We lived in a neighborhood down in Kyle called Plum Creek. And, oh, uh, that's right cool. down the street from us lived uh, Coach Sanders and his young family, and he was hmm. the, he was coaching at Travis High School at that point. Okay. Travis High. And uh, got to know he and Nick, our kids world. were of similar ages. And now here I am, and there he, he's been a Vandergriff. He built that program, which is awesome. Also, bottom of the hour, it's number two in our countdown, Rod. Number two in our countdown. And it's a team that a lot of people think might be able to kick in the door and upset if there's a team that can, can go toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with Georgia physically and with skilled players might be our number two team coming up at the bottom of the hour, and that's the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, the lines of scrimmage for Michigan really have made them the new kings of the Big Ten, and that's why people think they can they can compete with Georgia potentially. Well, so, no, it's interesting. The, uh, the new Sports <laughs> Illustrated – New sport this week. Sports Illustrated. If people still get the hard copy of the magazine, like I did for twenty five years, but not any longer, uh, it's out and it's got Georgia on the cover, and they've got Georgia at number one, and has a good chance to go back, back to back to back, mm-hmm. which no one has done since the thirties. The Gophers did it. Was that who yeah, it was? Minnesota in the Minnesota? Great Depression. Yeah, yeah. I had a uh, had a fact for you all about them being Georgia is favored for the first time um, in. Okay, sorry. Let me backtrack here. For the first time in eight years, a team not Alabama and Clemson is favored to win the national championship. Yeah, and Georgia's won them I mean, without oh, being favored wow. the last that two years. That is a years. good stat. Good stat, Ty. That is a good stat. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, but, you know, th- at some point, as we said, Texas derailed the last two teams that had a real good look at national championships three times in a row, USC in 05, and then that Nebraska team that Texas won to win the big first Big 12 mm. championship in the mid-'90s was looking that. for a third straight. Okay. And so Texas has been the uh, – a big part of the the derailment. Mm. Now we'll but see. Only place they'll see Georgia is in the College Football Playoffs. That's right. Oh, exactly right. Now okay. Michigan, of course, didn't get to the championship game last year. They got to the semifinal, lost that wild game with TCU. Georgia beat Ohio State, and then that, that was our national championship game. But uh, also in this list, they have Michigan at number two at Sports Illustrated. Georgia number one. They have Penn State number three, and that's interesting. I was going to mention. Yeah, that's because we have really Penn nice. State down because they have Penn State ahead of Ohio State. And the conversation at Penn State is, is this finally the year they get over the hump and can handle Michigan? And uh, I, I saw this note, and I want your thoughts, Rod. Their sophomore quarterback is Drew Aller. He's the big six, he's the big guy, four, you know, five-star kid. But then I looked at uh, Pro Football Focus, and they've got their big board, college football big board out. Mm-hmm. And of their top ten players, three are Penn State players. Three of the top nine. De- defense or offense? Offense, it's uh, – the, De- the, okay. the offensive tackle, Olu Fashanu. So two defense, and one offense. And then Kalen King at corner okay. and Chop Robinson at defensive edge. And so, and they've got a, a you know, big-time player, you know, Penn State does, the linebacker Abdul Carter, uh, had six and a half sacks as a freshman. So people are, are noticing, and Penn, that's interesting. That's an interesting team that if you're looking for, like a lot of people are putting Texas in the Final Four as kind of a, mm-hmm. a trendy team as the heavy, heavy favorites in the Big 12. Can they live up to the billing? Uh, you know, Georgia was that team that we doubted, right? Oh, man, they're really talented, but they can never get over the hump. They're they're going to stumble along the way. Well, now Georgia has eliminated that moniker because they've smashed it with back-to-back championships. Penn State, Texas, 
the Florida State, all teams that are in kind of that mindset that they're they're good, just not good enough yeah, to compete at that level. Yeah, James Franklin, he can't win the big game, right? That's right. the knock. The knock is not that he's not a good coach. He's proven that he's a good coach. Like he uh, won at Vanderbilt. Exactly, right? He's proven he's a good coach. Now the next hurdle for him to overcome or the narrative that he's got to change is can he win the big game? Um, because now there's basically waiting on him to beat Ohio State, beat Michigan, whatever you play Ohio State, Michigan, and win the Big Ten title. And I think they get Michigan at home, but they have to play in Columbus. Yeah, it's like they, that's all Penn State it, fans care about now. They don't even care about the ten, the double-digit wins you're getting <laughs> year after year. Yeah. All they care about is, hey, man, did we beat Ohio State? Did we beat Michigan? Well, and as we talked about, because they all play on the eastern side of the Big Ten for the last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they only have to beat one of those teams. That's true. And Good they point. can still play yeah, for the Big Ten, for the Big Ten Championship yeah. and, as no, a right. one-loss team. Uh, they need to run the table the rest of the way. Which they have, they did last year, basically. And then they would need whoever they beat. If they beat Michigan at home, they would then need Ohio State to beat Michigan, and then they'd both be. Well, Ohio State would have to take a loss somewhere. If they, you know, so again, we'll see. But Penn State a team. I, I, I look at this Sports Illustrated top twenty-five. Uh, Pat Forty, Richard Johnson, and Ross Dellinger all worked to put it together. Uh, they have three Big Ten teams in the top five. They have Michigan two, Ohio State, and Penn State all in the top five with LSU and Georgia. Mm. They don't have Alabama. In the top five in the country. Yeah, everybody, a lot of people are expecting Seven. a regression from Alabama. That's why a lot of people are picking Texas, potentially, to pull the upset over Alabama because new OC, new D.C., don't know who the quarterback is, and there's a belief that that's going to lead to the, a regression of some sort. We don't know how that looks. That could just mean them going from winning 12, 11 games usually to winning 10, 9 or 10 games. Can I mention one that's other, a big difference for Bama. Something else on the Longhorns because you're going to give us a Rod's rant of the day here coming up. Uh, you know, what are these watch lists that come out? Everybody's on these watch lists. Quinn, yours on a bunch of watch lists. Oh, yeah. Um, X-Man. Mm-hmm. There's also something called the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award. I saw this. This is definitely something new. Yeah, the Longhorns, right. I guess, a new award. But the Longhorns have four players that are in this freshman class that have made the watch list for the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award. You can probably guess who they are. Uh yeah, I mean Anthony Hill's going to be on Anthony there. Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter's probably going to be on there. He is. Um, uh, Malik Muhammad. Yep. And Joe Jonte Cook. Jonte Cook. Yep. Easy. Yeah. Uh, those four players. Again. And that's the most of any school. That's correct. Yeah. So not only Texas with veteran players, with all the returning offensive linemen and you know, guys like Jalen Ford and guys like Jordan Whittington and X Man, a lot of returning you know starts at Texas, but a, mm-hmm. a young crop of players. And as we've told you and you've seen with your own eyes, Sark doesn't care what grade you are or how old you are. If you're good enough, you're old enough. I mean, he'll put you on the field. And those guys are going to play when you think about it. Listen, Anthony Hill, you just had the injury to Mo Blackwell at that off-ball linebacker spot. So Anthony Hill's going to play, whether it be situation as a pass rusher or just outright winning that job over David Bender. So he's playing. Jonte Cook, I know Sark wants to play Jonte Cook because he's trying to create a pipeline of young, basically with young wide receivers in high school, they want to come to Texas because he already can drop the, oh, you know what, I had a wide receiver that won the Heisman in my system and also was drafted in the top 10, um, and he wants to keep that going. So two things are important for him this year. Making sure Xavier Worthy is first-round caliber talent, all right, so he can keep bragging about that pipeline he's created, and getting Jontae Cook 
involved in the passing game as a freshman, so that he's recruiting high school kids at wide receiver. He can go, oh man, you gonna play as a freshman in my system? Have you not seen X Men? You not see John T. Cook? Oh, they play right away. They get a lot of playing time as freshmen. And by the way, once you prove yourself, you're going first round in my system. Yeah, that's so it's it's easy recruiting for him. So I, he definitely wants that to happen. And then you go look at the running back spot. We just said. Man, if they don't end up splitting carries with Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter, Cedric Baxter might just win the damn job by himself. Well, Manny Muhammad may have played his way that and, they can't keep him off the might field. Have, exactly. He's going to play, too. He said that's one of the t- his top four corners include Manny Muhammad. So all those guys are going to play. Man, man, and it's interesting. We did the uh, live stream, the On Texas Football <laughs> conversation last night, you and myself and J- Justin Wells. And Justin said something. I, he said that the word is out of the Longhorn camp that Malik Murphy, Manny Malik Murphy, Manny Muhammad. Maybe that's why Sark calls him Manny because he's got a Malik you Murphy and he's got a Malik you Muhammad. You might be right and I get about that. Confused too, because he you might know you might be right because he says Manny. I had to look and I was like, who the hell is Manny? And he's like talking about Manny Muhammad because he's got yeah. Malik, Ma, uh, Malik yeah. Murphy at quarterback and he's right. got you might be right about that actually. But and Malik Muhammad playing cornerback. Uh, but and so either way. Uh, he said that that word is that that uh, Manny Muhammad has stretched out to like six two now, and if you he's, saw him playing in high school, he's still he was, growing. Yeah, like he's he's getting, he's getting taller. Well, well, now all of a sudden he's this five star corner who was six foot who's now six two. That's just straight up freakish, and man. that's why he's pushing your guy Ryan Watts at the boundary. Yes, he is. That he can be physical and reroute people, and we've seen through the practice scrimmages that he can force turnovers and is a ball hawk. Before we get into the rant, can I play this for you, Rod? Because I don't it's know amazing. if you've seen the latest episode of Hard Knocks. I have not. I plan on watching it, though. I'm going to play this for you because, of course, the me. whole storyline is that Aaron Rodgers is playing for the first time. A little sneak peek, a little sneak yeah. preview, and the first, first episode, the first preseason action Aaron Rodgers has seen since 2018. He never plays in the preseason. Well, he did in this game because they're, they're, they're lacking continuity on the Jets' offense, and they need to find some before the season begins. So here's a little clip from NFL Films. Uh, they're playing the Giants. After he makes a throw, I'm just going to set this up because it happens fast, he gets he gets bumped into by a guy named Jihad Ward, a linebacker. Jihad Ward. Yeah. And then they go toe-to-toe. Here's, here's some Whoa. jaw talk from the field level from NFL Films, Aaron Rodgers and Jihad Ward. Bootleg out to the left, flipping it left. McCole Hardman. Bro, Show some respect, bro. Come on, what the f*** is that? Five damn sets? I don't even know who you are, bro. I don't know who you are. You don't? I've never heard of you. And the officials have to separate Jihad Ward and Aaron Rodgers. Drops back, lobs one, front left pylon. It is caught, Garrett Wilson. Oh, it's a Jets touchdown. Post the barrel. Hey, oh, I'm, I'm not hurting you, bro. I'm not I'm hurting you. And I gave him the line that's uncome back with a bowl. I said, I don't even know who you are. And he said, he said, I don't know who you are. I said, both. There you go. The two-time MVP is going. What was that you term? Uncome back winnable? Yeah, uh, uncome come back winnable. Uncome come back winnable? Yeah. I gave him that one. I don't know who you are. And he <laughs> I said, I don't know who are. you are either. He's like, oh, come on. Now you know who I am, man. You know who I am. You know who I am. He dropped that. You know who I am. Uh, Jihad Ward? I did not. I didn't know. Former he, Cowboy. Oh, Jihad Ward? I is? think so. Okay. Raider and Cowboy, I think. That's an interesting name. Could have said, hey, do you know your name is Jihad? Jihad. That's a, that would have been the line. Bro, your name is Jihad, man. <laughs> your parents named you Jihad? That's what I would have been like, bro, did have they not been have they not read anything about geopolitics in the last 70 years? They're named you Jihad? <laughs> not a cowboy. That's wrong. Okay. Uh, okay that's that's so. what that would have been the uncomeback winnable line, Aaron Rodgers. Be like, bro. 
You need to go talk to your parents. That would have been very. They named uh, you jihad. Man. Erudite and, and <laughs> high level by. Yeah, that would be, be next level. Like, what? He, has he ever looked it up? He had to. It's his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look up Wage Jihad. I'd be like, exactly. Like, bro, your name's Jihad. I don't even have to. I don't, I don't really have to insult you. You walking around, your parents did it. Your name is Jihad. Okay, I, <laughs> I like Aaron Rodgers. They couldn't come with a better name than Jihad for your name? <laughs> exactly. Bottom of the hour, Zach Shaw, the beat reporter for the Michigan Wolverines, will join us to preview our number two team in our countdown. This guy says Aaron Rodgers, horrible trash talker. Here's my thing with Aaron yeah, Rodgers. That was a bad, that was a bad trash you talk. You can trash talk, but then don't like brag about your trash talk. Just let your trash talk stay on the field. You know who I am? I gave you the... Whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because I don't think people usually talk trash to Aaron Rodgers. They probably, they probably stay away from the trash talk. With Aaron he wasn't even talking trash, though. He, was, he just like tapped him a little he bit. He kind of bumped him. He's like, come on, man. Have some respect. That's five steps. That's five <laughs> steps. And Ward's like, I don't even know who you are. Because he's playing the preseason. He's probably a little aggravated. They agitate. He's got to play in the preseason anyway. He's like, man, I don't want Well, then he threw a touchdown pass to Gary Wilson right after that and said, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. Mm. Hey, let's go to the. Uh, the rants for the 9 o'clock hour. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. I'll give you a piece of quick breaking news. Throw it out there. Pro Football Talk suggests as a local level story that oh, uh, no, no uh, the Dolphins cut sixth round rookie Elijah Higgins, the former Bowie Bulldog. Oh wow! But five oh, different teams put in waiver claims, the most any player in the league has gotten. So there's a lot of demand for Elijah Higgins out of Stanford by way of Bowie High. Cardinals, Cardinals with the first oh, waiver no. pick guy. Don't do it. Cardinals, Don't yeah, they're tanking. It. Why is he? Yeah, they're they're <laughs> looking to the future. They, they should not be the ones. <laughs> Uh, they should not be the ones that are putting in the waiver claim for them. No, let them go somewhere else. Uh, but that's, that's interesting that that uh, that that many teams had him high up on their board. Obviously. Yeah, well, uh, and according to Mike Florio, more more than any other players received as far as a waiver. And claim he plays goes. what D line? What He's is a he? wide receiver? Wide, wide receiver. receiver. Okay, out of Bowie High. Yeah. Wow. All right. There you go. Shout out. What what college did he go to? Stanford. Dude? Stanford. Oh, he's we got that good degree. One, he, does man. does jihad mean soldier? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, a, I think it means a holy war or something. I don't know. It, 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 it means fight. a struggle or fight against the enemies of Islam. Okay, there you go. And yeah. so he declared jihad against the yeah. infidels. So maybe, so I was saying, maybe they meant. Maybe that's what they meant. I don't struggle know. Ward. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> struggle ward. <laughs> so I was saying, maybe that's what they meant. But it's like that would have been nice trash talk. But yeah, maybe that's a little too insensitive. Um, so anyway, it's spelled differently. It it's spelled differently than the jihad. It's in Islam. It's spelled G E H A D, but in English it's. G-I. Or okay. J-I. J-I. Yeah. And that's how his name is spelled, too? Yes. Okay, how about this little nugget? Uh, and shop- Love nuggets. <laughs> Love the nuggets. Um, and I got this from uh, at, at Over the Cap. It's basically oh. they keep up with salary cap stuff in the NFL. Love it. And giving these like and, and giving these little nuggets about the Cowboys and really about all the teams in the NFL, but I've been kind of gathering up some of the Cowboys nuggets. Uh, Cowboys, uh, 83% of their current roster um, basically – Begin their career with the Cowboys, which is the most NFL, basically, which means they're the most homegrown team for the second year in a row. Remember, I tracked it last year. They're the most homegrown team in the NFL uh, for the second year in a row. Nobody builds their roster through homegrown drafted talent or undrafted talent, undrafted free agents who start their career with the Cowboys, then the Cowboys. Uh, the Rams are second, followed by the Ravens, Packers, and Bucks. 
The, Bra- the Ravens, Packers, and Bucks are around 73%, but says here that 83% number for the Cowboys' uh, current roster is the highest in the NFL, which is that's a really good thing. It shows you they like to build their roster with the cheapest way to acquire, the cheapest way to acquire talent and value, which is through the draft. Almost cost-effective is probably the best way to uh, say it. Um, also, how about this? And I threw this out there earlier. Um, the Cowboys currently lead the NFL with being responsible for starting the careers of 82 players currently in the NFL, uh, which means players that either the Cowboys drafted and or Cowboys brought in as undrafted free agents starting their career with the Cowboys. They initially acquired them. Um, They have more players on rosters uh, than any other team in the NFL. The Ravens are second with 77 players who started their careers with the Ravens who are now on rosters. The Vikings at 75, 49ers, 74, Patriots, 71. So give Will McClay some credit, man. Big time credit. That's a Will McClay effect. You brought that up earlier. Got to give him, even though he's not the GM in title. Well, think about if what Jerry Jones would just give him the GM title and let him draft players and then decide who to keep and who not to keep. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. That's that's a great point. Yeah, because they're all still in the league. They're all still in the league. So you're doing a good job. He's evaluating initially the talent. Yeah, he's bringing in the right players. He's got a good eye. Um, so, yeah, I thought Cowboys fans might like that. Even teams like the 49ers and the Patriots, you actually are drafting better. The Cowboys technically are drafting better than in, in, in terms of draft talent and even undrafted free agents. So you, your talent acquisition um, during draft time, where they be draft or undrafted free agents, is right now as good, if not better, than damn near every team in the league. Maybe not yeah, the like, 49ers like, and, I don't know, maybe name you know, so the Eagles. Maybe throw them two teams out there. Yeah, well, and then this is why they believe that they don't have to play in the free agent market, which is usually overpriced. I get that. Uh, I do think the Cowboys have done a smart thing this offseason, got into that trade market, as you've talked about, to add key pieces oh. at key spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, maybe maybe this is the year, Jerry Jones. It's, but, but that's a Will McClay stat. That is a scouting department. It is. You know, Chris Vaughn. I mean, those guys are, are – it's like recruiting, right? You got you can recruit five stars all you want, but you got to evaluate the right players yes, that are going to fit your scheme, fit your system. And the Cowboys have certainly done that. And more and more, they're not. This is why they're happy to have Dan Quinn back again. That they're being able to to acquire and go get players that fit what Dan Quinn wants to do, which is different than a lot of people. And he'll find a very kind of you know bargain discounted talent, if you will. They did it with J. Run Curse, right? Did it with Malik Hooker. These are guys now that are foundational pieces of your defense that you essentially got uh, as you know rehabilitation projects for the most part that uh maybe we can rehabilitate their skill set Dan Quinn has done it for you as a matter of fact you now remember the Cowboys their uh, really philosophy about safety, which is they don't spend a lot of draft capital on safety, high draft capital, and they don't spend a lot of salary dollars on safety. They have since changed that because they play more safeties than anybody in the league. But also, Dan Quinn's the reason. Because remember, at first they would just they would just basically look at the safety position as a place where they could get value. Um, they would kind of find guys on the scrap heap, find guys in late rounds, and those would become the safeties. Uh, with Dan Quinn, now they prioritize it, but mostly still finding value because Malik Hooker, former first round pick with another team, J. Run Curse was a pick for the Vikings, I believe, and then they decide they want to move on from him. These are guys that were ha- having their second chances, redemption stories with the Cowboys. So I like that about Dan Quinn. One of the quick nuggets, since we're talking about uh, cut down day in the NFL, and I was thinking about this too, uh, the NFL is just so brilliant being America's number one television program. They're always thinking about the best ways to market the sport. 
We call it we call it cut down day now officially because that was basically yesterday. It almost lasts like two yeah, or three people days. People like tune in for all day to see who yeah, gets cut. Yeah, see who gets cut. The NFL is better than any other, almost any other company in America at turning what is supposed to be an administrative task or an administrative duty or responsibility. Mundane and boring. Yep, turning something that should be standard operating procedure into a, an annual primetime television event yeah. or a live show. Right? You're talking about a cut-down day where basically you're talking about a reduction in staff. This is staff reduction right across the board, downsizing across the board. And they're like, yeah, let's make it Let's make it an event. Let's people will keep well, up with know, this. National cut-down day. The draft is the same thing. The draft is basically their annual annual televised conference call where they're, they're just naming people. They're just naming who got drafted by what team? Call. Yeah, and now it is the, the NFL has turned into an NFL festival, a fan festival, and a revival where they travel to town to town, and now hundreds of thousands of people, more people attend the NFL draft than do go to South by Southwest now all because they turned an administrative task, the draft, into a, a prime time made for television event. They do it with the schedule release which is the company schedule. They put that out, big event. They do it with their interview process, which is the combine. They're brilliant at it. It's just little administrative tasks, but they've turned them into primetime television events. Yeah, it's well said. And it, it, comes, it starts with the passion of the fans, right? Because the is. fans care. It's like, it's like fans will, will pay money to watch Lionel Messi practice, right? I mean, they'll, <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> right? You're right. They will. Right. Because they're passionate about yeah. it. They care. And the NFL has seized upon that, that – you know, Kansas City Chiefs fans will pretty much do anything to see Patrick Mahomes do pretty much oh, anything. Man. But again, the draft itself and that whole procedural process is all built on the passion of college football fans and pro football fans it because is. you bring them together. And uh, your favorite college players end up in the – whether because there are a lot of people that only love college football could care less about the NFL. Uh, but they'll tune in for the draft and the combine to see how their dudes run and how their guys perform and then where they get drafted. Hey, we come back. We're talking number two in our countdown uh, the number Michigan Wolverines. I'll play. We'll play a fight song that was never allowed to be played anywhere near my house when I was growing up, Rod. Even to this day, if this fight song were played, someone's getting stabbed. Uh, we'll hit that coming up. Also, some very sad news breaking from the world of football. Details coming. Oh man, the fight song that was forbidden at my house, Rod, when I was growing up on the mean streets of Akron, Ohio. That team up north. <laughs> They shall not be named. They who they shall who, not be named. They who shall not be named. <laughs> and I told you in the break, my father's a huge Ohio State fan. I would never. I was kind of indoctrinated into it, but uh, he's the, he's still passionate about his Buckeyes. So Michigan is a problem, and have become a problem. So I had a buddy that came to the house, and we walked in. I said, I wouldn't wear that hat in the house. <laughs> he had a Michigan hat on, and my dad's just. Hat, you can stay. Hat's got to go. Charles to tell you. Hat's got to go. He didn't. He didn't believe you. Your friend didn't believe you. He didn't believe me. He thought you was joking with him. Thought he would get away with it. It's no. like, man, come on now. And then my dad says, hey, "You were welcome in our house anytime." That hat's got to go. Got to go. Got to leave it outside. I don't even want. That's it. a I rivalry. Need, I don't even want it on the porch. Remember, right? I want it on the grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even on my property. Yeah, not on the sidewalk. Is that's acceptable? All right, by the curb where the trash is. That's when you can put your hat. Uh, It'll be there the, when you come the back. Trash, for it. Yeah. Remember when? Uh, <laughs> When Urban Meyer, there was a media, somebody in the media wore a maze or blue I shirt. I remember this. And he made him change it. And he made him change it to shirt. the practice field. He's like, no, 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 get out of here. Get out of here with that hat. I remember that. That was that was actually kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of a it's a it's an a hole move, but I get it. I get it. And of course, Michigan has bragging rights right now. They've turned the mm. the tide as we had uh, our Ohio State insider. Uh, what at number? Where were the Buckeyes on our countdown? Four, four, four. Really? Uh, just earlier in the week. 
Steve Hellwagon, and he said, uh, yeah, uh, we've got the last 20, you know, two decades, Ohio State dominated the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have turned it, obviously, uh, with double-digit wins in each of the last two years. And that's yeah. got people wondering if Michigan's ready to, to take the rise and go win a national championship for the first time since 1997. To discuss that on a, uh, a deeper level, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He covers the Michigan Wolverines for 24-7, their beat reporter. Uh, he is Zach Shaw. Zach, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm ready for football season to start tonight. I'm excited about it. It feels like the off season gets longer each year. It does. <laughs> and we talk more and more about it. There's more lists and predictions and speculation. Talking and season. Talking season is ending. <laughs> hey, uh, you've covered Michigan a long time now or been around the program, and it, it, it's been steadily on the rise. There was, you know, Jim Harbaugh had to weather some, you know, some rough times. He built the program in his image and his likeness, what he wanted, and now he's got it there. Is this, this a team that, that can uh, can take hail to the victors to, to a national championship? Well, they, they can. I mean, right, there's still a lot of things that can go wrong. I think uh, uh, every fan of a good football program knows, you know, injuries happen or sometimes just another team is in their peak, right? I think Georgia's kind of the – the one that kind of looks like that right now. But, yeah, this team, you know, they've been really good the last two years, and they have so many players back. Uh, I think they return 15 or 16 starters. They added not a huge transfer portal class, but I think all I think they have nine guys who are in serious contention for a starting job, you know, who have played at other power programs. And then, and then they have guys who have been waiting a couple years, guys who were top 100 recruits or you know high four-star recruits and, and have played a lot the last couple years, and now this year they might even get a bigger role. So I think I counted it. They have 31 players who have started at least three games at the Power 5 level, and wow. they're big in the trenches. They're strong in the trenches. They have, obviously, the run game. I think most people who have watched Michigan know what, what their running back tandem can do. Uh, I feel like they're athletic in the secondary. You know, just it's not a team with a lot of red flags. You know, there's things that they still have to sort out. But uh, you know, in a, in a sport where every year people are trying to replace, you know, this or that, or or come up with an answer here or there, Michigan kind of goes into the season knowing what they have at pretty much every spot. There's just a couple positions where where we'll be watching closely. But you know, that's that's a nice luxury for Michigan to have is that they can just build off what they had last year, not necessarily you know, figure out who's going to do what and, and where. How how good is J.J. McCarthy? <laughs> I like the brevity of that question. I, I You know, he's he's what Michigan, he was exactly what Michigan needed last year. I know, I know nationally people were talking about the two pick sixes, but, you know, I think his blend of athleticism, uh, you know, I think his positivity is really infectious with the team. You know, he's not a, he's not a, selfish guy he's not just about his stats you know he doesn't care if he throws for 150 yards if Michigan wins and and you know wins by the way it should win uh you know he's he's going to be a happy guy he's going to be supportive of his teammates so I think that part he's done now I think and he knows that you know this year's the so-called contract year right because NFL scouts are going to be watching more closely Michigan's going to be asking him to do better than last season in a lot of spots you know the the third down passing, the red zone passing, the deep ball passing. Uh, you know, there is that next step in his game. Last year was about winning the starting job, winning, you know, each and every game. Uh, this year it's it's not entirely his show. They've got good running backs. But, you know, if he wants to be a first-round draft pick, if he wants to, you know, be in the running for awards that he's 
talent-wise, capable of being in the running for. You know, there is that next step decision-making. And I know one thing that Michigan has started doing more this fall camp than they've done any year under Jim Harbaugh is they're having uh, J.J. call more plays, you know, in terms of seeing what he sees on the defense and, nice. and making those calls. And to me, that says that there's, there's an increased uh, trust level between Jim Harbaugh and J.J. McCarthy that, you know, the other quarterbacks at Michigan under Harbaugh haven't had. And that Harbaugh sees, you know, J.J. McCarthy as kind of someone who can really take this offense to, to an even higher level than they were last year. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy. I, I said last year watching him play, of course, in this time of year there was a complete quarterback battle and it wasn't really settled until middle of the season and then they're playing in the in the playoff. But McCarthy, I know he had the, the rough game against TCU, but he also had some spectacular plays against TCU in the semifinal. Reminds me a little bit of a kind of a Joe Burrow starter kit. This is the ad lib ability, the athleticism, the way the ability to, to to avoid rush, buy time, and still make a big play down the field. Is I don't want to say Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is an elite player, but do you see that in him? Yeah, I think he's he's got that that nice blend. You know, he's he's not he doesn't have the strongest arm in the country, but I think he's got a strong enough arm for every every throw they're going to ask him to make, and then he also. Uh, can run a little bit. He led the Big Ten in, in quarterback rushing yards last year, and I know he, he feels like he's gotten even faster this year. Um, so I think he's, he's got that talent, but I think, you know, the, and here's the thing with Joe Burrow, you look at the year before he won the Heisman, he had a very solid season, right. but he was not in the running for number one pick. He was not a Heisman, uh, you know, favorite. He, he elevated his game. He figured out, you know, he never stopped growing as a quarterback, and so if J.J. McCarthy can do that, then, then yeah, I think he's going to be starting to be even more in those first-round conversations, maybe even award conversations. I, but I do think there is that next step for J.J. McCarthy because I think last year he had great throws when he had time, when the receivers were open, um, you know, when the, when the defenses were really stacking the box for the run game. Well, this year, I mean, if he's going to make those plays, he also has to be ready to make those plays when, when teams kind of know what's coming or are, are playing to defend the pass. So there's a next step for him. But, but man, I mean, part of why Michigan fans and Michigan the team are so excited is, is I think it's been uh, really Chad Henney was probably the last quarterback they've had who's had this blend of leadership, maturity, but also on-field talent. Hey, Zach, let me ask you about uh, the defense a little bit. Who, who, in your opinion, is the – Who's the top dog on defense, in your opinion? Who's the standout uh, performer? Yeah, I think we've heard pretty much every player and coach say they, they love Chris Jenkins' game. Uh, you know, he's starting to get some first-round draft buzz by you know different national publications and, and just a, a force run-stopping in the middle. Uh, his dad and his, his uncle were star NFL tackles, uh, you know, kind of middle-of-the-defense guys. And, and he was really good last year, Chris Jenkins, at 285 pounds. Well, now he's up to 307, 308. Uh, and so there's just been a lot of buzz about, about him, his pass rushing. Yeah, I know he was in the, I think he was sixth in the, the athletics annual freak list. So, you know, really good athleticism for his size and, and just really good uh, balance, leverage. You know, he, he isn't used to being this big. So it's it'll be an interesting uh, transition to watch. But at the same time, you know, I think he, it's kind of like a, a basketball player who, was playing point guard and then they had a growth spurt and now they're <laughs> now they're a you know a guy on the wing so it's yeah. a similar deal where he's got all the hand placement leverage balance things uh that that a smaller defensive tackle has to have and now he's bigger so he's he's probably the the main guy and then you know hard to not 
hard to talk about the defense and not mention Will Johnson, five-star guy, uh, started to make some really strong plays. I think he had two picks in the Big Ten championship game. So those are probably the two that, that are on the uh, All-American shortlist in my mind that, that can really be the not just – not just best player, but, you know, among the best in the country at their position. And the cornerback, nice. Will Johnson. And, of course, uh, Chris Jenkins steps into that Mozzie Smith role in the middle, uh, making things happen. Of course, Mozzie drafted by the Cowboys. Hey, uh, Zach Shaw with us, covering Michigan, uh, the, covers the beat for 24-7 sports and does a great job. Uh, only 16 points a game allowed last year by that Michigan defense. What about Jim Harbaugh? Uh, you know, because uh, there's the Jim Harbaugh that's built the program, but then there's J- the Jim Harbaugh that's going to serve a three-game suspension to start the season. He had a news conference this week where he sounded off on the state of college athletics. Uh, uh, revenue sharing was a, was a theme for Coach. Uh, where is Harbaugh? What about all the, the off-field conversations that are going on surrounding him and the program? Yeah, I think, I think in terms of the impact on the field, I don't expect it to be uh, that significant. You know, Part of the culture change that Michigan has talked about the last couple of years was really making this a player-led team. And then also delegating more to assistants. You know, Harbaugh, I think by nature, wanted his hands on, on everything and wanted to control everything with the program. And the past two years, uh, he's kind of, you know, let, let other people, uh, I guess, take, take the reins and, and, you know, have that ownership of the team. So I think, you know, players, they just keep talking about how it's, it's more fuel to the fire. I think uh, everyone kind of laughs at when Alabama and Georgia do this, but, you know, there's that whole, you want the nobody believes in us or they, the outsiders want us to fail. You know, it seems to work with, with teams, even when they're ranked uh, highly in the preseason. And so I think Michigan, they're kind of looking at this as, you know, the NCAA wants us to fail and, and things like that. In terms of the, the big picture stuff, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting what kind of impact this has on, on Harbaugh. I mean, it's no secret. He's interviewed with NFL teams the last two off seasons this year. Uh, it's a very senior or upperclassman-heavy team, and so he might be losing. You know, they, I talk about they returned 15, 16 starters. He might be losing 15, 16 starters after this season. So I think the, you know, the, the three-game suspension, we'll see I, I, what the NCAA does in addition to that after this season. But I think the bigger question will be, does Michigan get Harbaugh on a contract extension? Because that will tell us a little bit about where Harbaugh uh, where where his head's at. You know, is he annoyed at the NCAA? He sounds annoyed at the NCAA, but is he annoyed to the point where he would leave? Or is this uh, something where he's standing up for the, you know, kind of fighting the NCAA, thinking that this will be, he wants to control the, the college football uh, landscape that he's going to be coaching in for a long time. So I think there's two ways to read it. Uh, but in terms of the actual, like, on-field, I mean, you, you know their schedule. You know who they're playing. Right. It's, it's not going to make a huge on-field impact. Uh, if anything, it'll probably give the players motivation and kind of the, the inspiration to become their own leaders and kind of run the program uh, the way Harbaugh would without him. So probably uh, not an impact on their, their win-loss record or their, their season outlook. Hey, Zach, appreciate that, man. That's uh, what we needed right there, the overview for Michigan. Not a lot of question marks. Check a lot of boxes. Quarterback is back, and if he takes a step forward, this could be a team uh, that plays for and maybe wins a national championship for the first time since 1997. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Zach. Zach Shaw, if you're a Michigan fan or Mm -hmm. want to be more of a Michigan fan, you can watch that at – uh, you can find him on Twitter. He works for 24-7 Sports. He's really, really good on all things Michigan. And there you go. Uh, Michigan Beat Reporter. He's uh, at underscore Zach Shaw. At underscore Zach with a C-H. 
We'll come back when we do, Rod. You ready for uh, Who Said That? Who Said That? That's coming. Oh, another round of Who Said That on a Thursday morning. Hey, listen, we've got some breaking news, sad news from the world of the NFL with word this morning that the legendary Gil Brandt. Oh, no. Gil oh, Brandt no. has passed away at the age of 91, the godfather of modern scouting. Yes, he is. Helped build the Dallas Cowboys and that pro mm-hmm. organization into what became America's team. Yep. Uh, Gil For- Brandt. I've had many a conversation with Gil at uh, NFL <laughs> Combines and Super Bowls and wasn't a more delightful guy to just sit and talk football with. Yeah, no, he was awesome. I had a couple of conversations. I was honored to have those conversations, privileged enough to have a conversation or two with Gil Brandt. The few times he came down for like uh, pro days yep. and stuff like that. Yep. Um, he was awesome. Um, always made you feel like you know he had all of his his attention, even though you know that's he was a busy man being pulled in a lot of different ways. I mean, he gave me about good five to ten minutes. Uh, we had a great conversation about football. He even talked about me as a prospect. <laughs> so, uh, he was still and he would probably up until his passing here would have probably remembered you as a prospect. No, he did. Yeah, he even talked about me as a prospect when I talked to him. And I was like, I was blown away. I was like, I cannot believe it. So uh, very sad. Uh, a man who lived a full life, but. You know, more of a celebration of life because uh, the whole point is that you want to have a positive effect on other people and other people's lives. There's no doubt Gil Brandt did that. Over <laughs> he, he, changed a, the, he, changed the, he changed the NFL forever. Forever. Changed uh, the scouting combine, all that stuff. Yep. Along with uh, Tom Landry and Tex Schramm, mm-hmm. they built America's team. Quarterback Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, Mel Went, Renfro, all brought in oh, under man. Gil Brandt's scouting and oh. techniques that changed it. I'm going to do a deep dive on that. I might have to have a little have Roger rant about that tomorrow. That I'm going to do a deep great. dive on Gil Brandt. Well, and there's, yeah. there's, you know, you know, People in sports who change the game, right, and change mm-hmm. things dramatically. I always think about uh, you know Branch Rickey, who uh, yeah. who helped yeah. help Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. I watched that uh, movie yesterday. Forty two. I watched it. And yesterday. of course, he he, he was the, he was the founder of the modern minor league system, and uh, mm-hmm. never before had that's how they develop players. And then you think of a Gil Brandt, you know, changing the way scouting and, and how that all you know taking what you know other, what had been done in pro in football and taking it to a different level. And you're right. I mean, change the game. He's 91 years old, so very, very sad. All right, who said that, Rod? Do you have something for me? Uh, I got a couple for you. Um, the first one is actually from uh, actually someone who was on the Rich Eisen show. He was actually on oh, Rich Eisen. Oh, you hear Rich Eisen every day, 2 to 5, here on go. The Horn. So a uh, shout-out there. Uh, but here is the, uh, the player, and see if you can figure out who said that. I'll tell you this. I've been around and seen what it takes. You know, obviously only won one championship, but – been in that atmosphere to understand how a team most likely wins it. And I don't think that there's a piece missing here to where this team can't be competing for a championship. Is that right? Okay. I told, I texted Harbs the other day. I was like, you run a world-class operation around here. It's been, like, it's been very refreshing. You know, it's been a breath of fresh air for me. It's definitely not just going to be all run game. Um, I'll tell you that much. I won't give away any game plans, but I'm I'm truly excited, man. All right, Harge, who, who we got there? I, you got me. It's Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ talking about the Ravens and the Ravens organization. How excited he is, and things are gonna change around there. Mostly the offense, but other things are changing too. The culture too. I'm, I'm sleepy good, sleepy high, and bullish on the Ravens. I, I really am. am. I'm really tired talking offense. It's hard for me because I like the Bengals and I like Joe Burrow. He's mm-hmm. back and healthy. I like the Steelers. 
And you, know, you heard OBJ come in last play. He was in Cleveland. That place was a mess. And he was in L.A. And they won a Super Bowl. And now he's in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I'll play this for you. You may This will be a tough one for you. I'm going to play this on. Uh, this is someone who is not have a high opinion of the Colorado Buffaloes, who Deion Sanders will lead into battle against the TCU Horned Frogs. He's a, he's, a, he's a national college football writer and covers national college football, Rod. But listen to this guy with uh, his prediction for what's coming for the Buffaloes this year. I think we're going we're gonna to finally see for all the hoopla and all of the hype uh, going into the offseason with Deion Sanders in Colorado, it does not mask the fact that they don't have any players on that roster. And you, think, you thought UMass was the worst roster in college football? It may be Colorado's. Now, I say that. Do they have a quarterback? Yes. Do they have two starting corners that could be NFL guys and one of them plays both ways? Yes. They are so devoid of talent up front on both sides of the ball, I don't know how they're going to keep their quarterback up. Right. All right. Do you have a mm-hmm. thought on who that might be? Uh, I don't know who that is. Um, That's Tom Luganville. Tom Luganville. Long-time okay. recruiting uh, and then college football commentator. Mm-hmm. does not think they're going to have much of a shot uh, in Fort Worth. And that's why I said earlier, mm-hmm. if Sonny Dykes gets a chance to hang a big number on Deion Sanders, he's going to. He's going to. Cause Just because everybody Deion. wants to see it. Yeah, well, everybody wants everybody's going to gonna tune in, and uh, Sonny Dykes can use that that uh, interest to say, don't forget about us. We we run the DFW Metroplex yeah. in the Big 12 when Texas and that. Oklahoma leave. All right, um, what else, Rod? Uh, and okay, so I have one more pl- clip I want to play for you. This actually, this is fitting. <laughs> we'll just play the audio, see if you can guess who it is. I think you'll get it. Here we go. Hurricanes, like myself. Yeah. And you're a knoll, my friend. No, 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 no. Actually, do you know where I graduated from? Yeah. Who said that? Who said you know that? Everything. She didn't know that. They didn't know that. Tell them again. Where did I graduate? I graduated from HBCU. So I'm a who? I'm a, no, I'm a who? I thought it's where you graduate from, isn't it? That why you keep calling me that, and it goes where I graduated from. I'm, I'm an HBCU grad. All right, there you go. Yeah, Dion. Yeah, Dion. They try to give him the claim Florida State. He's like, no, I'm claim Florida State like that. So I, I can't be a Longhorn. No, that, no. Well, no, I, I think either can you. I never claimed to be a Longhorn. Yeah, if you want to be a lifetime Longhorn, um, I always say lifetime Longhorn. Like, yeah. You went there. I'll go, I'm going to go get my master's. Yeah. If you went, if does you, that count? That'll if, count. If you went there, you paid some money there, I guess you can claim that it. Yeah, gla- lifetime Longhorn. But hell, man, you what be a What if I got like a certificate? You can be a Longhorn fan. Longhorn fans, like Longhorn fan, fandom is a family in it. That goes deep. And that includes lifetime Longhorns and former student athletes and all that kind of stuff, too. So you can just be a fan. It's all good. Okay. Yeah, How about this on one? Uh, you know who's a fan <laughs> of Texas this year? Who that? He's a player who did not. Play high school. He played high school football in the state of Texas, but uh, did not play college football here. And now he's a rising uh, analyst and commentator on ESPN. Give me this one there, Ty. 